All right, so the Electoral College of Carolina basketball writers have deemed <laughs> Elijah Hughes good enough to be an all-ACC first-team pick. We're talking about it here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard. Check out the show on Twitter, at LO underscore Syracuse, the only podcast for daily free Syracuse content. We'll also get to our ACC tournament projections later on in the show. But first, Tim, all the awards are out. And we'll start with with the Syracuse-centric stuff, and then we'll get into more of what we saw collectively out of the Carolina Basketball Writers Association. And let's just start with this. So Elijah Hughes, we were skeptical yesterday about whether or not he would get on that first team, and the people have spoken, and it seems like Mike Waters and Donna DeToda and all the Syracuse media and Jim Beheim did their lobbying. They got Hughes onto that first team, as he very well deserves. It's, uh, it's such a shame that we're saying this is some victory, right? I mean, yeah. be, but it feels like it, based on the respect he has gotten this year. And honestly, when you look at his, uh, as the, how the votes played out here, Hughes had the fewest amount of votes of anyone on the All-ACC first team. So he was pretty close, as we talked about. It came down to him as that last spot. I think it's kind of ridiculous that he had 305 votes, which puts him well behind the next closest person, Trey Jones, at 348, who happens to win ACC Player of the Year, even though he got the fourth most votes. But (laughs) we'll talk about that later. As for Hughes in the Syracuse regard, I think he deserved, obviously, all ACC first team. It's good to see. I think people around these parts would have been raising pitchforks in Greensboro and going outside the league office, stomping their feet if Hughes didn't get first team. So at least they got that part right. I would have liked to see him place a little bit higher than fourth on the ACC Player of the Year voting. But as we've talked about, the ACC Player of the Year voting this year is kind of has an asterisk on it for me, and I'm just glad that they didn't put him on the second team because that would have been a travesty. Yeah, And I don't want it to make it sound like what I was saying earlier about Mike and Donna and, and Beheim to sound like uh like that was Stark. No, like they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Like I mean yes. that would it's it would be absurd if he wasn't an all ACC first team. They were giving him the recognition he deserved. All right, and for a guy who who leads the conference in scoring to finish fifth among the the first team ballot, Doesn't I mean really I just find up. that absurd. But. Looking at, at some of the other things from around the the Syracuse side of these awards and, and the award season. So you mentioned he comes in fourth in the ACC Player of the Year voting. That, of course, is a ballot that was without Vernon Carey, which I think you and I are both in agreement should have been the ACC Player of the Year. But yep. we'll save that for next segment. Freshman of the Year, no Joe Girard. I don't think that's really a surprise to any of us. I will say, I mean... The five people who didn't vote for Vernon Carey, just reveal yourselves. I mean, we're turning this into the MLB Hall of Fame. Just reveal it. We, we should have open ballots. I mean, yes. that's the accountability these awards need because the, what did you see out of Patrick Williams? Right. That's the one <laughs> that vote. You said, that... you know what? I'm going to check his name on the ballot. Yeah, that that's the one vote that really. Landers Nolly got two votes. Cole Anthony got two votes for freshman of the year. And, you know, Seth that's Davis shouted unanimous out. unanimous award that I yeah, saw on this it, entire thing. Right, it has to be. And as we've talked about, Vernon Carey should have been player of the year, so that was a no-brainer for sure. Seth Davis at The Athletic, who's a longtime national college basketball writer, said Joe Girard was in consideration for freshman of the year. He didn't get any votes. He doesn't land on the all-freshman team. 
I kind of wish we could see how many votes he did get, even though he's not on the all-freshman team because Patrick Williams was the last guy to make that list. And you got Williams, Cassius Stanley, Nolly, Cole Anthony, Vernon Carey. I don't really have a problem that he didn't make the all-freshman team when I rattle off those five names. It is just kind of surprising, and as we look ahead to the ACC tournament, and you would assume Syracuse will probably play UNC in that first game, UNC's got two all-ACC players on their team, and a second teamer in Garrison Brooks, who was also named ACC's most improved player, and then they got Cole Anthony, who's a third teamer, yet they finished last in the conference. And I know it was partially because of injuries, but that just shows you how much talent they have. Right, and that's we'll, we'll get into our ACC tournament preview later on in the show. But, I mean, when you look at the the all-freshman team, where would you think Gerard finished? Because I'm guessing he's probably sixth on that list. Yeah, that's why I, I think he was just off the cutting room floor there. And I'm totally fine with that. I think he's got a chance to land himself on this list in some capacity. Maybe an all-ACC third-team guy, maybe an honorable mention guy next year. Potentially in the conversation to maybe even get higher, I could debate with you. Because I do think he's got a ceiling, and he's going to have the opportunity to really score a lot on next year's team if Elijah Hughes doesn't come back. So he's a freshman. He'll get his due at some point. We know he's probably going to be a four-year player. And I'm totally fine with it. I was maybe a little surprised to see Buddy Beheim didn't even get any honorable mention love at all. Because yeah. when you look at some of the names down at the bottom of the honorable mention, you got Stephon Mitchell at Boston College, Braxton Key at Virginia. I just I think Buddy, he's top 10 in the league in scoring. So it's hard to name about 30 names here. I guess short of that, about 20, 20 three 22 names they named in total here and he's not on it but he's top 10 in the conference in scoring I don't think he should have been an all ACC selection because he got inconsistent at the end of the year but a little surprised not to see him on honorable mention right I think that was the the shocking thing to me that he didn't get even a piece of that too I mean you look at some of those names on there and and it really doesn't make a whole ton of sense why okay maybe a guy like Michael DeVoe from Georgia Tech's getting a little bit of love there and then you got a guy who's top 10 in the in the the conference and scoring who who is not seeing any of that fruit right there so that I think was a little surprising to me he does end up on the at fourth on the most improved player ballot and, and that was a tight race I mean 17 votes for Garrison Brooks 16 apiece for Olivier Sarin Devin Vassell and then Buddy Beheim picking up 10 I think that's kind of where we should have expected to see him. I know we kind of touted him a little bit on yesterday's podcast. Again, Locked on Syracuse. We've got you every single day with fresh SU content during the week. But I think, I mean, the way that Garrison Brooks especially played at the end of the year, it, it makes sense that that he was probably atop that list. Yeah, I, I was not surprised to see that. Actually, even though I said he probably deserved the award, I was maybe a little bit surprised to see how many votes he got. I think fourth is pretty good, all things considered, and how we've joked about how Syracuse has not gotten much respect and, you know, they're not an original ACC member and all that stuff. But when you look at the names on the Most Improved Player Award, it feels like all of them were just propelled by Syracuse. I mean, it's a lot of big guys (laughs) like Moses Wright, DJ Funderburk maybe didn't play that great against Cuse, but even Prentice Hub got some Prentice Hub had a couple days, yeah. Amir Sims actually 
played pretty bad against Cuse, but I don't know. Garrison Brooks sticks out, of course. He had 26, 25, whatever he had, and obviously that's going to be a daunting matchup again if he does play Syracuse and they win that game, UNC. But it's a lot of guys that were big guys that feel like they got promoted, and you could even say that throughout the All-ACC teams as well. That's just what Syracuse did to big men this year. All right, when we come back, we're going to look at the rest of these awards and just kind of our takeaways because Trey Jones has been a hot topic uh, on this front and whether or not he actually deserved the ACC Player of the Year. So we'll dive into all of that coming up next. All right, so Elijah Hughes finishes fourth in the ACC Player of the Year award season and picks up his seven votes. Trey Jones, the the runaway in ACC Player of the Year with 34. I don't think you or I saw this coming. Eh, no. <laughs> it doesn't sit right with me now either. The, the Electoral College of Carolina certainly came out to play. So it's funny, the ACC actually tweeted out Trey Jones is our player of the year and defensive player of the year. He averages 16.2 points per game, 6.4 assists per game, and 1.8 steals per game. Also some very questionable emoji usage there. So next to the 6.4 assists, it's two guys shaking hands. And then the 1.8 steals. Around these times too with coronavirus. We don't want to promote that. Um, and then the steals is 1.8 steals. And the, the emoji they use is the lock, but it's unlocked. <laughs> so <laughs> what, what are you doing? Are, are we unlocking the keys to the lane? Like what, what's happening here? But yeah, that's when you go through these, these comments, it's kind of hilarious. You get a little Elijah Hughes love. I think the guy and the fan base that feels most slighted is the Notre Dame fan base with John Mooney. And I'm going to say they have a point. Because John Mooney finishing third, as much as Syracuse fans may be up in arms about Elijah Hughes finishing fourth, John Mooney was the most consistent player in the ACC this year. I believe he had double-doubles in 16 of the 20 conference games, and he he averages 16.5 points, almost 13 rebounds. I mean, that's really good stuff out of a guy who, when when you think about, too, for ACC Player of the Year, do you want to make it into who was the best player in the ACC or who was most valuable to their team in the ACC. And I think Mooney and Hughes are, are one and two. I don't I don't really care what order you put them in. Yeah. I just, Trey Jones isn't the player of the year in my eyes. And when you look back on this year. Let alone runaway player of the year. Right. And when you look back on this year five years from now and you see Trey Jones, the sophomore guard for Duke, was ACC player of the year and defensive player of the year. I mean, that makes it seem like he dominated the league, right? And he wasn't even the best player on his team. And you couldn't vote for Vernon Carey if you're a media member because Duke nominated Trey Jones, and they gave some love to a sophomore instead of the freshman because he stayed an extra year maybe. Who knows why they did it, but Vernon Carey, for all intents and purposes, was the ACC player of the year this year. He was the most dominant player I mean, fans that watched him against Syracuse knew that. They saw that, but in other games as well. So Trey Jones, like, he had a good year. Don't get me wrong. He averaged, like, 16 points, six assists. He was right up there in the conference and assists per game. He got four rebounds for a guard. I mean, this is an all-ACC type year, but he was all-ACC first team and the fourth highest vote getter. So that shows you why did he run away with this award? He got 34 first place votes. The next best was Jordan Wara with 17, who 
who I think should have gotten less votes than Elijah Hughes as well. Wara, to me, is much more inconsistent than Hughes and plays kind of a similar role. Right. I think with with a guy like Trey Jones, too, and these comments on this tweet are hilarious, too. I mean, if you just read it through some of them, I mean, the only people supporting the Trey Jones camp are the moms with Bitmojis as profile pictures. I mean, that <laughs> that's your level of support right now, Trey Jones. It, it's pretty funny. It's a tough funny. scene. Yeah, but a lot of people are up in arms about Mooney. A little bit of uh, love for Elijah Hughes in the comments as well. But that that was certainly something that I think you and I were both taken aback. Sure, he's maybe the best defensive player and, and deserved that side of the award. Yeah, that's fine. I, the, the player of the year stuff is, I mean, and that's one that I think a lot of these guys actually do care about too. And Yeah, the, if Vernon the, Carey was, was nominated and he won – Makes total sense. I think he should have won by a landslide, and I think his all-ACC votes represent that he probably would have. And then the other thing is Virginia nominates Kihei Clark for Defensive Player of the Year and not Mamadi Diakite, who a lot of people had pegged as Defensive Player of the Year, and they thought it would be kind of a two-horse race between him and Jones. Well, same thing. If you're a media writer now, you can't vote for Diakite. You can only vote for Kihei Clark, but then Diakite on the all-defensive team gets just a shade less votes than Trey Jones and way more than Kihei Clark. So Trey Jones, maybe if two separate teams would have nominated differently, maybe would have not won either of these awards, but he wins both of them. I think he's a great player. I, I don't want it to come across like I think he's a bad player. I just, this is a very prestigious award. We're talking about the most dominant player in one of the best conferences in the country. Yeah, and and is... I know it was a down year, but come on, like this is an award that only a select few can say they've ever gotten. And Trey Jones got it after having kind of a season that we all expected him to have. He took a step up because he was a sophomore, but it wasn't like he averaged 20 a game, led the conference, and was, you know, putting up Marcus Howard numbers or something. Yeah, here's my thing. With Trey Jones, if he was going to win the ACC Player of the Year, he should have also won the most improved player as well. Be that like That's the level of step I feel like he would have had to take to actually yeah. win that award. And I don't think that's too far-fetched of, of an idea to throw out there as well because that that's, th- that's kind of like the standard of what you should be going for when you're looking at the ACC player there. Even if it is a down year in the conference, you're still looking at an award that is one of the most prestigious that you can win on an individual level across the country. So, and oh, especially in by the, the way, too, if you want to make the case, well, Duke was had a great record and everything. They finished fourth in the conference, right. so it's not yeah. like that's the tiebreaker there. And honestly, it's just the way the conference worked out this year. Florida State wins. They're just such a balanced team. They don't really have someone that could qualify as ACC Player of the Year. Virginia goes on a late rise. It doesn't really feel right to give it to Diakite. He did get two votes, which maybe two more than I thought he would get for ACC Player of the Year. But that's, I don't know. It's just the nature of how it went. It doesn't really sit right with me that Trey Jones wins this in a landslide. I think if you were to pick a fantasy draft and you have all the players in the ACC in front of you and you're starting a hypothetical team, you're taking Elijah Hughes over Trey Jones every single time. And if you're not, as Jim Beheim has said, you're just not watching these games then. Right. Yeah, and I don't want to turn this whole thing into a Trey Jones bass test. So let, no. let's look at some of the other awards here. Um, Coach of the Year, I think, was pretty runaway, as it should have been. 
Leonard yep. Hamilton takes this one. He leads the pack with 62. Next best is Tony Bennett at 12, who I think deserves a couple votes in there, given the late surge that Virginia made to to be a relevant player in the conference, honestly. And it looked yeah. like Virginia basketball was running off the, the wrong side of the road there at the or at the beginning of the ACC schedule, and then they put it all together towards the end. Defensive player of the year, we mentioned Trey Jones, some of the other guys that are on there. Trent Forrest came in second, Stephon Mitchell third. I think the interesting thing, too, when you look at the, the player of the year race, too, a lot of these guys got put on Elijah Hughes, and he delivered in some of these biggest moments. I mean, think about Florida State and that game when he gets injured early on and, and comes back to the comes back into the game and, and just kind of takes over towards the end. And then Stephon Mitchell, remember, got switched on to Elijah Hughes in that Boston College, that second Boston College game, and Elijah Hughes just looked like a pro that entire game. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's a testament to Hughes. And no matter how you look at it, Hughes, I think, should have been in a better position than he ended up in terms of the amount of votes he got. But we'll argue that for the for the rest of the time. I do think Defensive Player of the Year, I'm totally fine with Trey Jones getting it. And yeah. I think Leonard Hamilton was a great pick. Garrison Brooks, Most Improved Player, makes sense. Sixth Man of the Year, Patrick Williams. I'm totally fine with that. It's not like anyone in Syracuse really had a case there. Quincy Garrier just never really... Hit his potential, exactly. obviously. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I, I think Buddy maybe kind of got snubbed, honorable mention. But overall, my biggest gripe is just why are we doing this? You know, you nominate one player for this award. Why can't everyone just fill out a it bracket? It should be an open ballot. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I then we see that. who you picked. I mean, why is Vernon Carey, who got by far the most votes in the first team all ACC, not eligible to win an award that he would have won by a landslide? I just, right. it's like we're overthinking this stuff. I mean, exactly. The goal <laughs> is to find the best player, and we didn't do that because we have this dumb stipulation that it needs to get cut. Because if it happens in the future or it happens again, I mean, it's just kind of inexcusable. All right, coming up, we're going to get to the ACC tournament bracket taking place this week in Greensboro. Starts later on today, actually. So we'll we'll break down the ACC tournament and especially tonight's game between Virginia Tech and UNC because the winner of that one will take on Syracuse in their opening matchup. All right, it's coming up next on Locked on Syracuse. So the ACC tournament kicks off tonight down in Greensboro. You're en route later today, right, Tim? I am trying to All avoid right. the coronavirus. I am actually. <laughs> so by the time you you're listening you're flying to this, again, yeah, no masks. Yep. No masks when you're flying. You just look silly, <laughs> and it doesn't actually help you unless you have the disease. Then it prevents the spread of the disease. So while you're in the airport, assume everyone with a mask has the coronavirus. Anyway. <laughs> Syracuse will take on the winner between Virginia Tech and North Carolina. That game is coming up at 7 o'clock Eastern time tonight. When you look at those two teams, again, it's tough to take anything from the regular season now with those teams because they obviously are very, very different from from what they were during the regular season, especially on the Carolina side of things. Who Now you're rocking with Cole Anthony, but they did play this season – one time, and it was a game that North Carolina lost in double overtime. So, and that was a game without Cole Anthony as well. So, yeah, a classic that, UNC game right. though, where they led and 
and kind of threw up on themselves at yeah, the end I'm, to lose. Yeah, I'm looking at the the win probability, and boy, oh, no. Carolina yeah. absolutely blew it. Uh, <laughs> um, Shocker. Um, I can't get like the exact details, but the spike was very high late, late, late in the fourth or er, in the the second half of that game. But the, this is obviously a different Carolina team, and, and Virginia Tech is pretty meh when it comes to to teams in the ACC. They they closed out the season having lost five of their last six games. Actually, they closed out the season having lost eleven of their last thirteen. So started Yikes. off five and thir- five and three, ended off. Um, seven and thirteen. So actually, ten of their last thirteen. Um, but yeah, so it was a rough final stretch there for for the Hokies. But I think you and I are both in agreement that this will be a a Syracuse and North Carolina matchup. And honestly, if it's the other way, then that's just gravy for Syracuse. Yeah, if root for the Hokies tonight, <laughs> because yeah. if you're down I down in Greensboro, I mean, it, wear your orange. Right. It is a drastic difference in my expectations going into that second round matchup, because if Virginia Tech does win, I don't know, I'd say Syracuse is what, Tyler, like six, seven point favorites, maybe a little less, maybe like four or five, because VT will be coming off a win. Yeah, but then if UNC wins, it's like, they're probably favorite against Syracuse. Yeah, by... I'd say it's a it's a pick or maybe like a two a pick to two point Carolina advantage. Yeah, and I'm taking UNC if I could wager on such things because, and I think they would the line would only go up because people would look into kind of the history of this matchup and, you know, Virginia Tech doesn't have a big really. UNC has two bigs and two of the best in the country, and also one other note. Syracuse. Yes, one other note that really kind of puts into perspective how much you should be rooting for Virginia Tech. And I know a lot of fans already know this, but I looked back at the ACC preseason projections. And by the way, Syracuse was eighth in that. For those that forgot, they finished the conference six. So somehow when you look at it that way, they kind of well, exceed really expectations. Yeah, because Georgia, Georgia Tech, Tech. That's true. But. but it's fascinating to look back because UNC was projected to finish second and Virginia Tech was projected to finish 14th. So talent-wise, that's the discrepancy there. And I know UNC has some injuries and things. They aren't the second-best team in the conference, but that shows you VT's just a really young team. <laughs> yeah, they're not 14th. And I think it was Matt Doherty who was doing the color for the Syracuse-Miami game and obviously used mm-hmm. to coach at UNC. And he compared uh, UNC, which – very wrong comparison to make and very insensitive. Don't I'm sure he probably got somewhat reprimanded for this, but he compared dodging UNC to dodging the coronavirus in terms of dodging <laughs> them in the ACC tournament, which one of those things I heard it and I was like, oh no, like not something. So wait, should be so Bryson right Gooding now. can't wear his mask then? I, I know he's, <laughs> I guess he's stopped so. wearing it already, but like he has he, stopped. Don't wearing bring it. the mask, Bryson. No masks. Garrison Brooks will have to be on goggle watch because yeah, he's been wearing he them, them and chucking them, and yeah. So we'll see. Well, he was but, better with them too in the, yeah, the first half. He of tossed that Duke him game. early against Syracuse, and then yeah. Duke he he tossed him kind of late. I don't know what goes into his. Maybe that's something I could ask him when I'm down in Greensboro. Is I need an answer on the goggle situation, man. Yeah. But I mean, here's I, your goal. I do, I'm, I'm challenging you because you're, you're. Are you going to the Tech Carolina game? Yes, I'll be there. Okay. I'll be tweeting for Locked On Syracuse awesome. at lo underscore Syracuse. So, Shameless plug. 
here's your here's your task. All right, you're going to the post game press conferences, win or yep. loss. You got to get Roy to swear. <laughs> you got to get Roy that's to Im- swear. That's you, impossible. You got to trigger him that way. It, it's been done this year. All right, he dropped it. it he yeah. did drop an f bomb. I'll count Dagummit too. I'll count it. Okay. All right. Well, then that's. I mean, I could do that. I, I think I. That's every answer. I've got a good shot then. <laughs> I will. I'm, I'm going to try and ask him something Syracuse-related. Assuming they win, if it's Virginia Tech that wins, I'm going to go to the Virginia Tech players and coaches and ask them some questions. So be on the lookout for that because I do think that's something people will be interested in. And obviously UNC has such a strong track record there. that uh, Now, you got to keep in mind, whoever Syracuse is playing, they will be more rested. So sometimes we overlook that stuff, but that makes a difference. You know, if you have to play two games in two nights and it's another 930 game for whoever wins that 7 p.m. game, I guess. So a little bit different, but still it's it's going to be the second game in two nights for whoever the winner is. Right. Yeah. So. All right. Any last thoughts on the ACC turn? I guess we'll get into to the prospects of potentially playing Louisville again. The, the draw doesn't work out great for Syracuse. You're playing... Yeah teams that okay you're likely going to play carolina 0 and one and a blowout loss. i mean those are your only two blowout losses in conference and yeah those would be are likely your first two games of the acc what are the odds of that happening i mean i mean (laughs) what a a year for a week ago this was looking like all right syracuse was going to play either like Pitt or bc or wake forest like teams that they have handled this year and then all right, you march right into a, a battle potentially with Florida State or Virginia, a team that you beat and a team that you came very, very close to beating in their place. So yeah, it, it's, it's the, oh, how the tides have turned in, in a week, just another week in the ACC. So, all right, that's going to wrap it up for us here on this Tuesday edition of Locked on Syracuse. Again, we've got coverage for you every single weekday here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Check out the other podcasts on the Locked On Network, including the Locked On ACC podcast, which will have plenty of content brewing this entire week. This is this is Locked On ACC's Super Bowl, all right? I mean, yeah, th- it is. this is it. <laughs> this, this is what they do. So be sure to check that out. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.